1: Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is our group learning program, where we come together on Sundays and Wednesdays in order to learn the teachings of Gotama Buddha. On Sundays, we do a talk from this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. This Sunday, we're going to be in Chapter 21, and we're coming to the close of our program. It'll be another kind of four or five weeks, maybe six weeks before we'll actually be restarting the whole program all the way from the beginning. So this is an excellent time to be joining the program if you're just starting to join because you can kind of get in the habit of coming to class each day on Sunday and Wednesdays, and then when we restart, you'll already kind of be in the swing of things. We'll just be starting right from the beginning of the book. So I'd like to welcome all of you, whether you're joining us for the first time or you've been joining us regularly now, welcome to our class on Wednesdays we're doing breathing mindfulness meditation and or loving kindness meditation as a way to support, encourage and motivate each other in our meditation practice. And I always open up to any questions that you guys have related to this entire path to enlightenment because meditation is really important. You wouldn't be able to get to enlightenment without meditation, but you need a lot more than only meditation as well. So that's why there's a whole book series. There's 13 books. Where you can learn and understand these teachings. And then as you're progressing, you can reach out to me through Facebook, through personal guidance in terms of scheduling an appointment. You can send a private message. You can ask questions in these online classes. And when we restart this program in about six weeks, we'll be doing breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, and chanting as a four-part series. Each one of them will have a four-part series related to them. But now we're at a point in our program where we just kind of alternate these back and forth. So students that have already learned from the beginning of the program already understand why they're doing breathing mindfulness meditation and how to do it. They already understand why they're doing loving kindness meditation and how to actually do it but since we're coming to the close of our program and we're having some new people joining every now and then what i like to do is just kind of recap just a little bit of why we're doing loving kindness meditation which is the same thing i did last week with breathing mindfulness meditation is did a little bit of a recap but once we restart the program from the beginning then i'll really lay it all out for you from the very beginning but just as a little bit of a recap for loving kindness meditation As you may have understood, the three high-level problems in the mind of an unenlightened being is craving, anger, and ignorance, or this unknowing of true reality. All three of these are going to motivate unskillful conduct and make it difficult for a being to have discipline of the mind and be able to control the mind. So we need wisdom in order to understand these three poisons or these three unwholesome roots And then what your practice becomes as part of this path is transforming craving, anger, and ignorance into the three wholesome roots, which is generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. So this craving, this mental longing and strong eagerness where the mind is longing and yearning for the objects of its affection, this is transformed by practicing breathing mindfulness meditation, in generosity. There's certain aspects of those practices that will transform that craving in the mind, the cause of discontentedness, so that you will no longer experience discontentedness as you develop the mind further and further. Well, when there's craving in the mind, then there's going to be anger or hatred or ill will that arises. This is where we have unskillful Intentions, speech, and actions. We become aggressive and hostile, much like animals. And because of this, we start to damage our relationships, both personally and professionally. We start damaging our relationships and we have difficulties because we're functioning through anger rather than loving kindness. So what loving kindness meditation is doing is it's transforming the mind. Away from this anger and hostility, this aggressiveness, and being interested to harm others, it's transforming it into harmlessness. Or the way that you describe loving kindness is a genuine interest in seeing all beings be well and peaceful. This is loving kindness, that you're interested in seeing all beings in the world, whether they're human beings or animals or any other beings, that you're not interested in harming any beings, that you just have this genuine interest in seeing them all be well and all be peaceful. And what transforms the mind away from that anger and hatred, rather than being hostile and trying to hurt people with our intention, speech, and actions, through doing meditation, We convert the mind and we transform the mind through these four affirmations that we do in loving kindness meditation, where we're repeating in the mind, may I be peaceful, may I be safe, may I be well, may I be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. And then we expand the ring a little bit more may we, and then we keep on going further and further until we make all these rings and we get to all beings. And essentially what you're doing is you're kind of rewiring the mind that instead of having this harmlessness and this hostility, this aggression, this anger, hatred, and ill will, and all the lesser versions like frustration and irritation and annoyance, rather than having all of that, we can transform this mind that when we look at other beings that we're interested in seeing them be well and be peaceful. And that starts in our meditation. It starts through cultivating the mind in meditation on a regular basis to be able to practice loving-kindness meditation. And then you move those qualities of mind that you've cultivated into your daily life, where now through your intention, speech, and actions, you start practicing loving-kindness. So your intention, speech, and actions become polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to all beings. And this is where you start seeing your personal and professional relationships blossom because now you're no longer causing harm through your intention, speech, and actions. You're no longer being aggressive and hostile like a wild animal in the unenlightened mind. Instead, you're being polite, kind, friendly, and respectful through your intention, speech, and actions. And since that's what you're putting out, that's what comes back to you over time, in your relationships. But as long as we keep putting out this hostility, this aggression, this impolite, unkind, unfriendly, and disrespectful intention, speech, and actions, as long as we're doing that, as long as we're putting that out, that's what's going to come back to us. So this loving kindness meditation is a way to transform the mind towards this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well and be peaceful without judgment. We're not judging people to determine if they deserve our loving kindness. We're not doing that. We're just practicing loving kindness with all beings at all times. But of course, it's a challenge to do that when the mind is polluted with this craving, anger, and ignorance. So you're working on that craving through practicing breathing, mindfulness, meditation, and generosity. You're working on this anger through practicing loving kindness meditation and practicing loving kindness in your daily life. And you're working on this ignorance or this unknowing of true reality through gaining wisdom, through doing things like showing up to classes like this, through reading this book and all the other books that are part of this book series, through seeking out personal guidance with a teacher, through asking questions, through all these different things, you're acquiring wisdom in the path to enlightenment with the words of the Buddha. Not what somebody says the Buddha said, not this folklore or these myths that have been handed down for countless generations, but you go back to the original source teachings from the man who discovered, declared, And identified this path to enlightenment. He did it on his own, so he had deep wisdom. So that's why we root the teachings and all that we do in our practice with the words of the Buddha. Because he's the discoverer, the declarer, and the originator of the path to enlightenment. Anybody that's made changes since his life, they've just made the path more gray and more difficult, more fuzzy and more blurry. So what it Buddhist teachers should be doing is rooting their practice and rooting their teachings in the words of the Buddha so that they can practice that for themselves and see the wisdom in the Buddhist teachings. And then when we share the teachings as a Buddhist teacher, we should be sharing what the Buddha taught. And this will illuminate the path to enlightenment for you very clearly. So there's times in other parts of this program where I've shown very clearly where the Buddha says that practice loving kindness meditation to abandon ill will. He says it very clearly. And he says other aspects of practicing loving kindness as a way to eliminate this anger, hatred, and ill will. So that's why it's part of this program. That's why I teach it. That's why we're alternating now, because I've already shown a lot of the words of the Buddha earlier in the program to help people understand the importance of this and i've also have that in this book as well as you progress you'll see the words of the buddha where he just says very clearly and helps us to understand that loving kindness meditation and practicing loving kindness in daily life is what transforms this anger hatred and ill will so the way that we practice loving kindness meditation is we start out with doing some chants and kind of easing the mind into meditation, which is something I've taught previously. So if you don't know these chants, it's okay. You'll learn these as the program restarts. But if you do know them, you can practice them and chant along. Then we go into breathing mindfulness meditation for a period of time, maybe just like five or 10 minutes, just to kind of clear out the mind and kind of prepare it for loving kindness meditation. Then we start loving kindness meditation. I will say, an affirmation, I will say, may I be peaceful. And I'll say it out loud. And wherever you get to the next out breath, that's where you say, may I be peaceful. You say it in the mind, not out loud. If I wasn't guiding you guys in meditation, I wouldn't say these affirmations out loud. I would just say them internally. So each breath on the out breath, I will say an affirmation. But your breath isn't going to necessarily sync up to my breath. So wherever you get to your next out-breath, just repeat that same affirmation in the mind. And then you do it on the out-breath. We start with I, this being here. Because you can't have a loving kindness for others if you don't have loving kindness for yourself. So you start with may I. Then I'll probably go to may we, meaning all of us meditating together because we're supporting, encouraging, motivating each other. So we're interested in having loving kindness for other members of our community. So we cultivate that in that second ring. Then the third, fourth, fifth, however many rings I do, I will create some generalized rings that apply to all of us. But in your individual practice, you should customize these rings based on your needs. If there's people that you're holding resentment towards, if you have anger towards certain people in your life, you need to include them in your meditation. And your meditation isn't To change them so that they will be more loving and kind to you. That's not what this meditation is about. That's not what any of this path to enlightenment is about. This path to enlightenment isn't about changing other people. It's about changing your own mind. Transforming your own mind. And by you cultivating loving kindness for these people, then you can let go of holding on to this anger, hostility, ill will, resentment, and all the other versions of that. And then, should you end up coming in contact with these people again, then when you're around them, you've cultivated this loving kindness for them. You can now have intention, speech, and actions that are emanating and permeating from loving kindness. They might still be hostile and aggressive to you, but you're not judging them on that. Instead, you're choosing to practice loving kindness for yourself, where you're choosing to be polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to all beings. But all beings are not going to be polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to you because that would be permanence, wouldn't it? And we know the universal truth of impermanence. So what we're doing is we're looking to develop our practice to be permanent, where our mind can be in this permanent mental state where it's peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. If there's anger, hatred, ill will, resentment, frustration, irritation, annoyance in the mind, you can not experience this permanent, peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. So even if there's people that your mind is holding on anger and resentment for from 20 years ago, and maybe you've never seen them for 20 years, but your mind is still holding on to this unwholesome quality of anger, you still need to eliminate that from the mind. So that's why our breathing mindfulness meditation and generosity will help soften up the mind, training the mind to not have craving. But then it's loving kindness meditation that will transform this anger and resentment that the mind is holding on to based on past experiences and past situations. This loving kindness will transform the mind away from that unwholesome root of anger, hatred, and ill will so that now you can practice with people with loving kindness, with this polite, kind, friendly, and respectful way of being. Because as long as the mind's holding on to any resentment, any anger, any hostility, any aggression whatsoever, it's gonna come out to other people. So even though you maybe only have hatred for this one person from 20 years ago who did something bad, that anger is still deep in the mind and it's gonna come out towards others as well. So you gotta liberate the mind from that anger, hatred, and ill will. As long as the mind's holding on to it, it's not liberated. It's still got this defilement, this pollution, this taint of anger, hatred, and ill will. So it's this gradual training, this gradual practice that you'll see gradual progress. So you gradually implement the meditation. You gradually start improving your intention, speech, and actions in daily life. And you'll gradually see that it'll be easier and easier for you the more that you do it. And then you'll start seeing more and more people being loving and kind and with you as well. You don't practice these teachings because you're expecting others to do anything particular. But instead, you're doing it because you know it's the good, wholesome thing to do. But I just share with you that if you practice these teachings for an elongated period of time, you'll notice that more and more people around you will be loving and kind to you because you are loving and kind to them. It's what you put out will come back to you. So this is why we do loving kindness meditation. And then after we do those rings, then we go back to breathing mindfulness meditation, and then we go back to chanting. And then I'll open up for any questions there. And last week, Jan asked a really interesting question that hadn't been asked before, and I'd like to just repeat it again to be sure people understand it, is if you're in loving-kindness meditation and you're feeling all the juices flowing and you're feeling the the loving-kindness permeating and filling the mind, that's outstanding. Going back to breathing mindfulness meditation at the end of this session is to help you cut off and let go of any anger, hatred, and ill will that has arisen in the mind. Because sometimes when you're doing loving kindness meditation and you're tapping into these painful feelings that you've been holding on to for 10 or 15, 20 years, there can be some anger and hatred that rises up in the meditation. So we've got that breathing mindfulness meditation on the backside in order to kind of let that go. But if you've been cultivating loving kindness in your meditation really well and you feel that permeating in the mind and filling the mind there's no need to go back to the breathing mindfulness meditation at the end of your loving kindness meditation you don't have to do that you can allow the loving kindness to continue to permeate in the mind and then when you're ready to end the loving kindness meditation just go back to your chanting and just end the meditation there right so that's a possibility what I'm sharing with you are these different options and these different tools. And then you employ the tool that you would like to employ. So if you feel the permeating and the, the filling of loving kindness in the mind, which is what the Buddha talked about is what's needed in order to attain enlightenment, just let that keep going and just end your meditation on that. No reason to go back to the breathing mindfulness meditation. So this was a really wonderful question that Jan asked two weeks ago. That I think is really important that everybody understand and be sure that you have that option. And this is where loving kindness meditation is is kind of more flexible. Where breathing mindfulness meditation, there's one way to do that. And you pretty much do it that way. I mean, there's a couple of things in terms of body positioning and things like this. But in terms of when a thought arises, you cut it off, let it go, and come back to the breath. That's what you do. But with loving kindness meditation, you can customize these rings and you can choose whether to go back to breathing mindfulness meditation or not. So there's a bit of customization here in the loving kindness meditation that you don't see in the breathing mindfulness meditation. So let me pause here before I guide you guys in our meditation session today and see what questions that you guys have. You're welcome to put those into Facebook, YouTube or Zoom and our moderators will see that and be sure that your questions get asked during the class. Or if you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions or follow-up questions directly. So I'll just turn things over to you, guys, to see if there's any questions that you might have prior to meditation.
2: Hello, teacher. A uh, How long should one practice loving-kindness of meditation until a anger, hatred, and ill will be completely eliminated?
1: I suggest that people do loving-kindness meditation on a consistent, ongoing basis. It's probably going to take many years to transform the mind away from anger, hatred, and ill will Depends how much is in there, right? Because everybody has different levels of pollution when they're starting this path. I wouldn't be in a hurry to eliminate loving-kindness meditation. A lot of the students know that I no longer do loving-kindness meditation on my own, but I do it as part of the class. But should I ever see any kind of anger, hatred, or ill will arise in the mind, surely I would do loving kindness meditation, but I just haven't seen any for many years. So that's what I suggest is that you do loving kindness meditation for many years. And when you observe that there's like a good solid six months to a year where there's like no anger, hatred, or ill will, like not even the slightest little word that you've said, not even the slightest irritation, essentially when the mind's fully enlightened, when there's not even this like, even a little bit of irritation, right? Because the ego is going to always be in there until the very end. When you actually eliminate the ego at the very end, the ego is going to be in there trying to convince you that you're more enlightened than you are because the ego doesn't want to leave. The ego is like that bad tenant that wants to stick around. So the ego is going to be like, you're enlightened, you don't need to do that loving kindness meditation anymore. Like stop doing all that stuff. Just stop doing it. Why? Because the ego wants to stay in there. He doesn't want to leave or she doesn't want to leave. So the ego is going to be trying to constantly convince you that you're more enlightened than you are and that you should stop these things because it wants to stick around. So you should be very diligent and you should be very objective about your practice. Observe the mind very closely. And not only the mind, but look at your intentions, your speech, and your actions. If you're seeing even the slightest little roughness or harshness come out from the mouth in terms of speech, then there's still some little residual anger, hatred, and ill will. And, you know, anger, hatred, ill will are big, strong words. And we use those words because that's kind of like the height of this particular poison. But as this poison is diminishing, you might get to a point, even maybe now, where you're like, I don't hate anybody. I don't have ill will for anybody. You might think that in the mind. But then through your intention, speech, and actions, sometimes you're a little bit aggressive or you're a little bit sarcastic or you're kind of annoyed at somebody. You're like, I just don't like her. I just don't I just don't want to be around him or something like this so you might not feel that you hate this person but you're just like "Ah, I just don't want to be around them right so the ego is there trying to convince you that yeah you don't have any anger you don't have any hatred you don't have any ill will because these are really big strong words but as this is diminishing in the mind there's these lesser versions of like annoyance and irritation and this is from the same poison And it motivates the same conduct, which is unwholesome intention, speech, and actions. So don't just focus on the word anger, hatred, ill will, and think that you're done because you don't have any of those because you probably have lesser versions. Think about this as a spectrum with anger, hatred, ill will being like the highest part of the spectrum. And then as you're meditating and you're transforming your practice, you're going to be backing off of that. And down here, like kind of in the one or two range, if anger, hatred, ill will is a 10 down here in one or two, there's no anger, hatred or ill will. There's like irritation and annoyance, which is still motivating unskillful intention, speech and actions. And you got to stamp that out. So if you stop doing loving kindness meditation too early, the risk is that You still have anger, hatred, ill will in there. You still have this irritation and annoyance. So while I don't do loving kindness meditation in my own private practice anymore, I do it in these classes. I wouldn't suggest anybody be in a hurry to to stop those because there's just no benefit in thinking of it that way. And the ego is always going to be in there trying to convince you to stop it. So even though I've chose to stop loving kindness meditation you might not choose to do it you might choose to do loving kindness for the rest of your life and that would be very wise to do that perhaps but there was surely a period of time in my life where i realized that yeah i just didn't need to be doing this on an ongoing basis and what i really needed was the breathing mindfulness meditation so that's what i have always been doing here in the last kind of three years i've been doing a lot of breathing mindfulness meditation where early on in my practice. I did a lot of loving-kindness meditation because there is a lot of anger, hatred, and no-will in there So that's my advice on this topic
2: Well, so as for these experiences of uh, frustration and irritation If the mind experiences these uh, uh, um, unwholesome conditions of the mind Is it wise to recall these experiences while practicing loving-kindness meditation?
1: While you're doing loving-kindness meditation, you're not interested in recalling the experiences. You're interested in just cultivating the loving-kindness. You're you're arising this loving-kindness, and you're eliminating the anger, hatred, ill-will. It's kind of like you're bringing in the wholesome quality, and it's pushing out the unwholesome quality. If there's certain experiences or situations from the past that the mind gets reminded of as part of this meditation... Then after the meditation, that's when you should reflect on those experiences and contemplate those because the underlighted mind, it's like this ball of twine. What you've been doing your whole life is you've been winding this ball of twine and all these experiences and all these emotions and all these situations are kind of stuck in this ball of twine. And you've been winding it up and winding it up and winding it up and winding it up. And now you get on this path to enlightenment and you start working towards awakening the mind. It's like unraveling the ball of twine. And when you start unraveling this ball of twine, here comes this situation from three years ago that you thought was completely out of the mind. And it starts bubbling up to the surface. Or here's this situation from 10 years ago or 20 years ago that starts bubbling up to the surface because you're unraveling this ball of twine that's got all these emotions and situations bundled up in it. Well, back then when those situations happened, you didn't have the skills and the wisdom that you have now. You didn't have these skills on board. You didn't have this wisdom. So you didn't know what to do with those situations and those emotions. So you buried them. You buried them in the mind and you bound them up in this ball of twine. Well, now when you unravel this ball of twine and these situations start bubbling up in the mind after meditation, you can reflect on these situations and be like, hmm, if that situation happened today, I surely wouldn't have handled it the same way I did three years ago or five years or 20 or however many years ago, I surely wouldn't have handled it that way. It's okay, I handled it the way that I did back then, but now with the wisdom that I have today, how would I handle that differently? And now you start thinking about that, you start reflecting on that, how you would have handled that situation differently. And now, if that situation happens again in the next six months, a year, two years, whatever, now you have the wisdom of how you would have handled that differently. So instead of burying it like you did 10 years ago, now you've just cultivated more wisdom through reflection, through looking inside the mind, reflecting and contemplating on the situation that occurred. And now with this new wisdom, should a situation similar to that occur again, you've got the wisdom on board now, how to handle it very different than you did last time, which means it will produce more wholesome results. It will produce better results. Where before, maybe it erupted in an argument, and a fight. Maybe you lost a friend. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you lost some important thing that was part of your life and you buried it because it was so painful. Where now, once that painful experience floats up in the mind, bubbles up in the mind, you process it differently through this wisdom that you now have. And now that same situation happens and you handle it very differently because we can't go back and change the past. All we can do is cultivate wisdom that should we encounter that situation again, let's figure out how we would handle it better. And that's what the Buddhist teachings are doing, is that it's helping you to now reflect and contemplate and cultivate wisdom of how to handle situations differently in your life than you have in the past based on this better way of life, right? When the Buddha awoken from enlightenment, he didn't say, I discovered a new religion. He said, I discovered a better way of life. And now that you're learning this better way of life, in the past, you weren't practicing this better way of life. So you were burying emotions, you were aggressive and hostile in certain ways. Now, with this new wisdom, this better way of life, you start contemplating and reflecting on How would you handle the situation different through this better way of life? And now that you cultivate that wisdom, you'll be able to more readily practice that should that situation ever occur again.
2: Thanks, teacher. no more questions.
1: All right, well, let's go ahead and go into our meditation. I'll just guide you guys along the way, as I usually do. So take whatever position you'd like, either seated, standing, or lying. That's how we usually do loving kindness meditation. If you're seated, you would like to have your lower body comfortable, and your hands and arms should be in your lap. If you're in a chair, you might have your ankles crossed or your feet flat on the floor. Totally up to you. This isn't about everybody doing it the same. If you're on the floor, you might put some cushions under your rear and cross your legs just lightly. Putting the cushion under your rear ensures that you lessen the angle at your hips, your knees and your ankles so that you don't feel any pain there. And having your legs just lightly crossed ensures that the circulation continues to flow. Because if you feel any pain in the physical body, then you're not going to be able to train the mind because the mind is just going to feel pain, 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 pain. It's not going to feel loving kindness and you're not going to be able to permeate that in the mind. So you should have your body comfortable, not luxurious, but not painful in the middle, comfortable okay the hands and arms the buddha placed his right hand over his left with his thumbs together and he put that in your lap but you may not be able to do that you may not even be able to bring your one arm all the way around right you might only have one arm someone might be amputated at the arm so everybody's different it's not about everybody doing it the same way but what you would like is you would like your hands and arms to essentially be in your lap or somewhere nearby where it's just completely comfortable and relaxed. There's no tension in your lower body, your shoulders, your hands, or your arms. Your upper body should be erect. This is important because by keeping your upper body erect, it keeps the mind attentive and alert during the meditation. This ensures that you can train the mind. So by using the body the way that we are, where it's relaxed but yet attentive, Now we can use the body in order to access the mind. So the body's the employee, the mind is the boss. So by making sure the employee is comfortable, not luxurious, not painful, because the employee is not going to want to take you to go see the boss if they're too luxurious or if they're too painful. So you'd like them to be comfortable. So they will then take you to go see the boss. The, The mind can stay attentive and alert by keeping the upper body erect. Next, just close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose, and out through the nose. You like to just take some nice natural breaths. Breathing in and out. You can just stay here and continue to establish the breath, or you can join in chanting. I'll come back after chanting and provide some more guidance for meditation.
3: Pāraṅhāṁ sammāsaṁ Sawaka to TAMMO haka watam mo dama sami so patipano em Sankang namami Nap more her sap hako ato Nap more her ARAH TO SAMH SAMH PUTASA NAPMURHA SAH BHAGVATO ARAH TO SAMH PUTASA ITI BISO MAHAGVA Arahang Samma samoto. We chat Sakato kawito. ANUTERO tero Dhamma Sati Satatava Manuvasana Photopakavati
1: Should be breathing in through the nose. And out through the nose. Here at the beginning of meditation, you would just like to establish the breath. Nice gradual inhale through the nose. Experiencing the full breath. And a nice gradual exhale. Experiencing the full breath. Breathing in and out. Your breath is going to be different than mine. Don't feel like you need to match or sync up your breath to the guidance that I'm providing. Just wherever you get to the next inhale, take a nice gradual inhale through the nose. Experiencing the full breath and a nice exhale out through the nose, breathing in, in, out. in and out. Start fixating the mind on the breath. The sound of the breath or the sensation of air moving into the nose over the skin. The breath is the present moment. Fixate the mind on the breath, breathing in and out, breathing in. With the mind fixated on the breath, you're developing awareness of mind and concentration, singleness of mind, focusing on a single object, the breath. Breathing in and out. wherever you observe that the mind is moved off the breath, using that mindfulness, that awareness of mind, when you see that the mind is moved off the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. in, out. Breathing in, in, out. When the mind moves off the breath, you haven't done anything wrong. No need to feel guilty or shameful. This is just what the mind does. You're training the mind to more easily let go and come back to the breath. Even when the mind's enlightened, it'll still move off the breath occasionally. You're not interested in labeling the thought, judging it, trying to figure it out where it came from, none of that. Just wherever you observe that the mind is off the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. In, out. I'm going to be quiet now and let you do this work. And then I'll be back later with guidance on loving kindness meditation. Just breathe in through the nose, focusing the mind on the breath. And breathing out through the nose. Nice, gradual breath. cutting off any thoughts and coming back to the breath. You have nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. No one needs you right now. This is your time to focus on the breath. Breathing in. And out. Continuing to breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. On the next out breath, repeat this affirmation in the mind. Peaceful, may I be safe. may i be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes family, friends, those who are close to me, be peaceful. safe. free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. co-workers, colleagues, and bosses, be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Acquaintances, be peaceful. Be safe. May they be well. they be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. I will come to meet in this life at some point. May all those people that have yet to come into my life be peaceful. May they be safe. May they be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. May all those beings whom I have not met in this life, and I will never meet, be peaceful. be safe And may they be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. beings no matter where they reside on this planet or far far away be peaceful May they be safe. May they be well. be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. turn back to breathing mindfulness meditation, focusing on the inhale, breathing in through the nose, and exhale through the nose.
3: Ah, uh, uh, uh. I'm <Sings> not caranang samuno sakato rokawito anu tero dama sati
1: guys would like to slowly make your way out of meditation we can come back together as a class see what questions you guys have anything that you guys have questions about related to meditation or any other aspect of this path you're welcome to ask those during this time you can do that through facebook youtube or zoom putting it into the comment section or you can electronically raise your hand in Zoom and ask any questions or follow up questions directly. So I'll just turn things over to all of you guys for any questions that you might have about this path to enlightenment.
2: Well, as for the focus while practicing breathing mindfulness meditation, we are focusing on the breath. Does this mean that we follow the breath while it's going to lungs in and out?
1: I suggest you just focus on the sensation of air moving into the nose or the sound. There's a certain sound when you're breathing in, kind of an internal sound of the air going through the passageways in the nose. Focus on that sound. That sound is the present moment. But see, the mind wants to be in the past or it wants to be in the future. It doesn't want to be right now. So when the mind wanders off this breath, That's where it's not content with being in the present moment. So you pull it back and you pull it back and you pull it back. The Buddha gives the analogy of a strong post and a pillar. And he talks about having these six wild animals tied to this post and this pillar. And they're pulling in opposite directions. You know, one going to the sky, one going to the forest, one going to the river. You know, all these different directions, these six directions and then essentially they get to the end of that rope and then they get yanked back to the post or the pillar and after they pull and and tug these wild animals are pulling and tugging after they get yanked back enough times eventually they just sit down next to that post and pillar and they just stay there and they no longer try to pull in all these opposite directions and your mind is the same way it's going to want to pull and tug in all these opposite directions In the six directions are the six senses, the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, bodily contact in the mind. The central desire, the mind is pulling its longing and yearning through these six senses for pleasant feelings. And what you're doing is you're yanking it back and yanking it back and yanking it back. And eventually, over a long period of time, it gets more and more content and it just sits at that post or pillar like those wild animals that post or pillar is your breath. So when you focus on the sound of the breath or the sensation of the air moving into the nose, then whenever you observe the mind is off the breath, then you cut that off and pull it back to the breath. And then over time, the mind will reside in that middle, in that groove more and more frequently. And you'll get these longer and longer periods of time where the mind is stilled or quieted. The Buddha talks about it as being quieted you'll never eliminate thoughts as long as you're alive. You'll never eliminate any thoughts that are in the mind. But you can go for these elongated period of time where the mind is quieted or stilled. So rather than having thought, 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 you know, this bombardment of thoughts that we have when we first start out on this path. As you get going and you start training the mind more and more, you have a thought. And then there's this long space where you observe that thought right away and you pulled the mind back. You're focused on the breath, and you've got this long period, maybe three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes or so, where you're just focused on the breath. The mind is utterly peaceful, utterly calm, serene, and content with joy. And then there's another thought. Okay, cut that off, bring it back. Now you got this three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, utterly peaceful calm, serene, and content with joy. And then there's another thought. Cut that off and bring it back. So you get these elongated periods, but you'll still have thoughts occasionally, even when the mind's enlightened, but you'll experience this utter stillness and quietness and peacefulness start to come into the mind more and more as you're eliminating the craving, anger, and ignorance through your meditation practice, but also in your daily life. Because if you go out in the world and you're doing a whole bunch of unwholesome things, through your intention, speech, and actions or livelihood, if you're doing a whole bunch of unwholesome things, the mind is going to be just churning and churning and churning. But if you're polite, kind, friendly, and respectful to people, and you're not holding on to all these craving, desire, attachments, when you're in your meditation, boy, can it be utterly peaceful because in daily life, you have nothing to worry about because you know that no harm is coming back to you because you're treating everybody. With politeness, with kindness, with friendliness, respect, with this loving kindness. When we go around and we're hostile and aggressive, and our intention, speech, and actions in our livelihood are not wholesome, then we've got a lot of things to worry about, and our mind can be very cluttered and very bombarded with thoughts. So, both of these things are working together that when you're meditating, you're meditating, you're just focused on meditation. But by meditating, you're slowing the mind down, you're allowing the mind to eliminate these poisons, these unwholesome roots. So now in daily life, you can practice the teachings of all the teachings. You can practice the teachings in your relationships. And then by you practicing the teachings really well in your relationships, it makes your meditations better. And then when your meditations are better, you're able to practice the teachings in daily life better. So there's like this cyclical effect of the meditations benefiting your daily life In your daily life is benefiting your meditation and this is how you gradually move the mind towards enlightenment it's like sneaking up on enlightenment where it doesn't even see you coming you're just kind of sneaking up on it day by day little by little these little baby steps
2: well it seems that uh, some people experience anger while hearing the sound of the breath
1: if someone's angry because of the sound of the breath this is because the mind's not comfortable with Certain sounds, right? The mind's going to crave, it's going to long for agreeable contact through the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, bodily contact in the mind. It wants this agreeable contact because when it gets agreeable contact, then it gets these pleasant feelings. That's the problem. And then when it gets something disagreeable when it gets disagreeable contact through these six sense bases then it's going to experience painful feelings and this is the whole problem so if somebody's experiencing anger as a result of the sound of the breath then that means the sound of the breath is disagreeable to them and it's arising these feelings of pain painful feelings of anger sadness frustration because the mind is craving something else So you got to train the mind to just consider the breath just a sound, just like any other sound. So if we hear music that we really like, and it's something that we like, oh, that's agreeable. We get all these pleasant feelings, oh, wow, we listen to this music. But then when you hear your neighbor's music, something that you don't like, it's disagreeable. Now you get angry, you get hostile. You want to go over there and knock on the door and tell them to turn that music down. How dare you play that music? but I bet if they were playing something you like, you wouldn't do that, right? So we have these agreeable sounds, we have these disagreeable sounds, just like we have these agreeable forms that we see in the eyes, and we have these disagreeable forms. We have odors, we have taste, we have bodily contact, we have things in the mind, mental objects. And what you would like to do is get to a point where you don't see these things as agreeable and disagreeable, but it's just sound. It's not agreeable, it's not disagreeable, it's just sound and it's impermanent and I'm not going to cling, I'm not gonna crave for this agreeable sound because if I do, then it's only a matter of time before I hear something disagreeable. So you've gotta kind of fade away, fade away that disagreeable and that agreeable and just realize that it's just sound, that's all it is. And just focus on the sound, train the mind to be peaceful, content with joy, just focusing on the sound and, and the sound of the breath and that that's not agreeable and it's not disagreeable either. It's just sound.
2: On Zoom, we have a question from Jen. She writes, thank you, Richard David. I often cannot feel or hear my breath. It's very soft. I can feel my diaphragm rising and falling. So it is easier to focus on that. Should I instead make myself breathe more forcefully so I can feel and hear the breath?
1: You're not interested in forcing any breath because that would produce qualities of mind that you're not interested in cultivating, you know, kind of being forceful or pressured or controlling. I've never really used the diaphragm or the stomach or things like this, but I know some other people have. If that's working for you, if it's bringing the mind into the present moment, then use it. But the Buddha taught to focus on the breath and having awareness of the breath. That's really important. I suggest focusing on the breath because you're gonna need that awareness of breath. And right now you might not have that, and you might kind of have to do some exercises outside of meditation just to get aware of the breath and to be able to just do some breathing exercises to, to get awareness of the breath. That can be really helpful. This is something that if you guys end up coming to the retreat in the USA this summer, these are things that I can be doing with you privately. I can probably do it over Zoom too. But it really helps privately because i can do some things you know and, and kind of observe your breath and help you a lot more in person than even more so than we do on zoom not only are we having one of these in the u.s but we're looking at having a class in egypt this summer as well so if any of you guys are listening from egypt that's something that we're coming up with and planning as well so learning in person it really helps somebody to accelerate their practice being in person and learning with someone one-on-one we can do an enormous amount online nowadays because you know this didn't exist during the lifetime of the buddha we can do an enormous amount over the internet and online but there's really nothing that replaces face-to-face contact with your teacher one-on-one contact and being in a class and one-on-one in person with your teacher that really helps somebody learn a lot but what you would like to do is focus on that breath jan and you may have to do some exercises outside of meditation just to become aware of the breath and you may have to do these exercises to kind of exaggerate the breath a little bit rather than force it or control it just kind of exaggerate it a bit and start to develop that awareness of the breath so that then when you're in meditation you have a bit more awareness well
2: before the class miranda and i had a discussion in which there was a question which is some people who experience fears of heights for some of these they fear when they are let's say looking from a window from a high floor while when they are climbing a mountain they do not experience any fear
1: yeah this can be the case different experiences produce fear in different ways in the mind but wherever you observe fear you're not interested in running from it you're not interested in trying to shelter the mind from that you know that's the initial feeling is like you look over the side of out of a window or over the side of a, like a mall and you're like oh i don't like that and you want to like run away from it and you want to retreat and you think that you know that solves the problem if i just never look out the window i'll be fine or if i just never look over the side of the mall if i'm up on the fourth or fifth floor if i just never look down then i'll be okay but that's not true Uh, because the mind's still holding on to something. So if you look over the side and you feel the fear coming into the mind, or you look out a window and you feel the fear coming into the mind, rather than run and retreat, keep the mind there. Keep the mind looking out the window and just train the mind that there's nothing to be afraid of. And you might even have to talk to the mind a bit, you know, and kind of coax it into continuing to look over the side of the, the floor or out the window or whatever And just do that multiple times until you no longer feel the apprehension in the chest or in the stomach or wherever you're feeling the fear arise. Just notice those bodily sensations and cut them off. But keep looking, keep doing that until you train the mind that there's nothing to worry about. And you probably have to do it over multiple sessions. So what you're doing is you're confronting the fear and you're desensitizing the mind to whatever stimulus that it doesn't like. And that's really, really beneficial to the mind. Because if we just run from it and we try to never encounter that situation, then the problem's buried deep down inside the mind. But when we confront the situation by continuing to look out the window or continuing to look over the floor, this is where the mind has no choice. It has to become peaceful and content and joyful or else it's going to be discontent. And this is where you can really observe that there's the physical body, there's the mind, And then there's this third thing that the Buddha calls the person. The person would like the mind to not be afraid, but the mind's like, I don't want to be here. (laughs) And it kind of convinces the person to retreat. But the person has to be wise. The person has to be strong and say, no, buddy, you're not going to run. You're going to sit here and look out this window until you're peaceful and content no temper tantrums get over here look out the window (laughs) and you got to do this multiple times and you can really observe these three separate things the body the mind and the person and if you treat this mind like a third entity it's like you're the caregiver you're like the trainer you're like the wild animal trainer and the mind is like this wild animal and the wild animal is going to want to do all kinds of stuff and you're the adult in the room that says, no, you're not going to run here. You're going to sit here and you're going to look out this window until I feel like it's time to leave. And the mind's like, no, 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 we're leaving now. Get out of (laughs) here. No, you're going to sit here and you're going to look out the window. And then we're going to probably do it tomorrow in the next day and the next day and the next day until you decide you're not afraid anymore. And this is how you kind of actively train the mind to let go of this fear. And then eventually you don't feel the bodily sensations. You don't feel the fear come into the mind anymore. And you're like, check, got that one done. Move on to the next thing.
2: Many thanks, teacher. That's all for today.
1: All right. You're welcome. Well, I will just uh, end by saying thank you all for dedicating time, effort, energy, and resources to your practice. As you build up your practice more and more, you'll see the results, that it's benefiting the quality of the mind, it's benefiting the quality of your life. As you clear out more and more of this pollution, life just gets more and more peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, because you experience everything through the mind. So if you can continue to work on this mind for an elongated period of time, then you'll start seeing these gradual changes and shifts in the mind. Your enlightenment isn't going to be determined if you miss meditation today. It's not going to be determined if you meditate today. Your enlightenment is going to be determined if you develop a consistent, comprehensive, long-term practice over multiple years. If you happen to miss meditation here and there, so be it. If you only happen to meditate every once in a while you're not gonna be able to experience the benefits. So you would like to develop this long-term comprehensive approach where you're meditating and developing your wisdom in these teachings over a long-term period. And like I mentioned, you're gonna miss meditation every once in a while. But if you can build up this consistent, comprehensive practice, you're gonna see the results because the Buddhist teachings absolutely work to improve the condition of the mind. So thank you all for your dedication and your commitment to learning. This Sunday, we're going to be in chapter 21 of this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. It's titled, Do No Harm. What is the future of our planet? We're going to be having a discussion about our planet and what we can do individually through our own individual choices and how we can help to ensure that we're not causing harm to the planet. And we'll be able to discuss and share ideas and thoughts as part of that class. Then next Wednesday in the group learning program, we're going to be doing breathing mindfulness meditation. So you're welcome to join. We will just focus on that and any questions that you guys have we will support, encourage and motivate each other in our meditation practice by coming together on Wednesday and meditating together. So thank you all for your time today. We'll see you in a future class. Have a very lovely rest of your day.
0: Sawadee Thank you for listening to this podcast.